Welcome to the New England Take, your weekly hangout with experts, policymakers, local business owners, and interesting people in New England. Check out the NewEnglandTake.com to listen to the podcast version of the show, and be sure to follow and share New England Take on Twitter and Facebook. Today, I'm joined by the one and only Dean Harlem. He is a singer-songwriter writer touring around the Northeast and more, I just discovered this summer. So, uh, firstly, thanks so much for joining me, and where can people check you out? Thank you for having me, AJ. You can find me on all the internets, all the... YouTube and Instagram and Facebook, Spotify. That would, if you want to follow me on Spotify and Instagram, that would be a big deal for me. Thank you. All right. So if you had to describe <laughs> your style to someone who's never heard your music before, what would you say it's like? Oh, man. Um, I usually try to describe my music by letting people know what my influences are. Yeah. So uh, I'm a big fan of Justin Towns Earl mm-hmm. and his dad, Steve Earl. Towns Van Zant, John Prine, Guy Clark. And Chris Jofferson, um, and also Bruce Springsteen. Those those are probably my favorite songwriters. Yeah. So I mean, what genre would you consider that? It seems like a mix of just traditional singer songwriter with a southern feel. Is the way I would kind of describe yeah, it. I don't want to use the word Americana because that yeah. seems to kind of <laughs> have gotten overused and in, in turned the last into few bluegrass years. over the last decade. It seems like. Yeah. Um, I, I consider roots music, uh, songwriter music, storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems to be a very important part is you're telling a story of some size, some sort, whether it's a person you are putting yourself into or it's about yourself or a city or something like that. It seems to be common themes. Yes. Yes. It, so how do you do that yourself? You're a reasonably young guy, I'll say. I mean, how do you embody that as someone who, who is younger and doesn't have 60 years under your belt? You mean how to write songs yeah, and write tell songs stories? Like that. Yeah. Um, well, I, I've lived 30 years now and I've done some stuff. Uh, I've traveled a lot and seen a lot of places, had a lot of experiences and uh, I try to draw from those. And, Mm -hmm. but I also feel like a good songwriter or writer of any kind could take in, uh, history and philosophy and politics and take all those stories and archetypes and personas and kind of turn their own uh create their own characters and tell their own stories i have a really hard time doing that for me i kind of have to like live every single little detail in order to write the song and it seems very introspective with you yeah yeah for me it's very autobiographical i'm trying to kind of expand and and write more outside of my life how do you how do you think you're going to be able to accomplish that? I Just have no practice. idea. No idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Read more books. <laughs> yeah, love reading. That's funny. So, so I mean, how do you draw your inspiration for your guitar end of things? I mean, is it just it just comes naturally through what you're trying to get to convey, or is it imitating? Well, I, I think the lyrics uh, influence. They lead the guitar. Mm-hmm. So for for me, um, I I would like to have. Uh, my lyrics stand out as a piece of poetry and um and i i heard i believe that lyrics should be able to have a life of their own without the music so mm-hmm. that you could put them on a page and that's good enough so for me uh, the music needs to support the words and so i like to kind of look at john prine uh or, or uh, Justin Towns Earl, and when it comes to writing the music part, and that means keeping it really simple and uh, letting the the story shine through. It's simple, but it's very pretty. It's like I really would describe your your guitar playing that way. It's it's very subtle, 
it's very smooth, but it flows really well from from chord to chord through into the chorus. It picks up when it, when you when you need to. I, I love you have some dynamics in your playing, which I yeah. think are nice. Yeah, dynamics is a word I would use too. Yeah, it's uh, I I really believe in simplicity, mm -hmm. and um, to, I I really I'm a big fan of getting the most out of the least, you know, uh, amount. So you could have a huge production, have a ten piece band, but the thing that interests me the most is how a solo performer uh, makes himself sound so big mm. on stage. So those are the things that interest me. When did you get started into to writing songs, whether it's whether it was just for the guitar or whether it was just for singing? I wrote my first song when I was 14. Yep. When I, I discovered Bob Dylan, and I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to do this. I, I'm going to write songs now. <laughs> well, I, actually, I was uh, more influenced by Sid Barrett of Pink Floyd before mm -hmm. Dylan. And uh, uh, that's when I wrote my first song. And I really uh, got serious about it when I was 19 mm -hmm. and when I moved out and uh, of my parents' house. And um, Was that independence very um, motivating to getting creative or going – or was it like – I really want to do this, so I really got to put the work in. Yeah, yeah, it, it was a little bit of both, mm -hmm. a little bit of both. And how quick, how much time did it take for you to really? I mean, you—if people check out your dates, I mean, you're going all over the world. You're even going to Ireland, which we'll dive into more on your travel that yeah. you're going to be doing. But how how many years do you feel like it took you to be like, I feel comfortable doing this in front of an audience and putting on a show? How, oh man, it's still <laughs> ongoing. Yeah, it's still ongoing. Um, bit of a poser syndrome, or is it like I don't know if I'm good enough? Or uh, I, I, yeah, I believe I have that. Mm -hmm. I, I, you're certainly I, good enough. I mean, there's zero doubt in my mind that you can do it. So it's, but it's, it's up, up in the head here. Oh, well, it's funny. I could, sometimes I could be like a really cocky, overconfident <laughs> bastard, and, and other times I'm just like, no, I'm, I'm nowhere near as good as what I want to be, and. I'll just sit back and hang out here yeah. in the corner. Um, what was the question again? I mean, how long did it take for you to feel confident um, to be able to to really do a set? Not just play an open mic, but do it on your own and play a set. Um, uh, well, I, I started seriously pursuing music when I was 18 when I left home. Mm -hmm. And I think that I didn't really feel like I could just entertain – Well. I, I felt like I could always get in front of people and, mm -hmm. and entertain – um, and, uh, when I started off, I had a lot of crushing experiences where I thought I was good and mm -hmm. I real, and I realized I was not good. And after each experience like that, I continued going and, you know, you, you either you know, accept that you suck or you decide to get better mm -hmm. or, and you do something about it. So every time that happened, I decided to do something about it and improve. And I, I think I, 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 I don't know, like I said, it's still ongoing. Like I'm still trying to become a better performer and, and which i'd say you uh, any musician should do i mean you you see the musicians that are middle age plus that they they pick their stride they pick their handful of songs they're just going to play over and over again and they don't develop so it's right i think that is an important thing especially as a musician i, I think it depends on the the stage also mm -hmm. because when i was 19 20 i started busking and just mm -hmm. doing busking for a living. And I was playing for five hours or more a day. <laughs> and busking is pretty low pressure because you're playing for tourists and people passing by and you could yep. miss Throwing a note. A and and no one's, yeah, no <laughs> one's going to care. And uh, th that gave me a lot of confidence because I was just you know, playing on the street and, and, and people were throwing me money. Mm -hmm. And um, 
that made me feel good about myself. Uh, but, you know, to answer your question, probably like by the time I was 24, 25, mm -hmm. I felt like, okay, I'm a competent, I could say I'm a competent <laughs> yeah, musician. That's a, that's a great way to phrase it. <laughs> yeah. the, um, I mean, how did you... How do you develop a repertoire large enough to play three-hour sets? I mean, that seems to be a common uh, number I see for, like, April Cushman, for example. Like, mm -hmm. all, all you guys that are out there performing full-time where you're you're playing the evening through. Yeah. I mean, how do you deal with that? That's a large volume of – you may not be playing the same songs. You may not be playing new songs through the entire three hours. Mm -hmm. But how, how do you put that together? Well, first of all, a three-hour set – the only people that play three hour sets are bar musicians mm -hmm. and Bruce Springsteen. Yes. <laughs> and uh, like if you ever go to see a show, if you see your favorite band, they're going to be playing a 90 minute set, maybe mm -hmm. two hours. And uh, I think that that's because people's attention span doesn't really go, oh, yeah. go beyond that. Oh, yeah. And um, so uh, it, it just over time, you learn a lot of songs. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I was playing for five hours in san francisco when i was busking but I, at that time i was repeating i was oh yeah i probably was like doing like two or three hours and then repeat um now i have like six hours or i don't <laughs> know how much more more than that if i wanted to um it's just a, a lot of practice and repetition i still forget words of songs i haven't played like in a while so yeah how much you change that lineup of songs from night to night depending on how the audience reacts uh change the line how do, yeah, change the different songs, like the selection of songs you're going to be necessarily playing on a night. That's interesting. I just completely feel the energy of the room. Oh, wow. See, see I try to keep it upbeat, and uh, I try to tell a story and try to say something and engage people. Mm -hmm. I don't like to just, like, stare at my shoes and, and play. And uh, I feel like I, I need to entertain and make people feel like they're getting something out of this experience. Uh, I think the value of live music is the connection. Yeah. The human connection that happens between the performer and the audience and between the audience and the other audience members. Mm -hmm. uh, so the more connection I encourage, I feel like the better, uh, the more value I'm creating for everyone involved. Uh, does that answer? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you do you ever play with a full band? Um, it's do you been, have a little bit in the past? I'm playing with a trio a few mm -hmm. times this month. And how much does that change your approach to playing a set with regards to responding to the audience? Because obviously everyone in, in the group basically has to have an idea of what you're going to be playing ahead of time. I have a lot more fun playing with a band oh, yeah? because it's like I'm just hanging out with friends and, <laughs> and making music. Uh, it's I feel a lot more pressure when I'm uh, playing solo. Mm -hmm. I like that. I, I, I like having to kind of be on my own but when i'm with a band i definitely feel way less pressure i'm way more comfortable on stage and because i'm more comfortable i feel like i could uh, engage the audience better mm -hmm. and um you so, can take a step back for a second let the other guys jam for a little bit and i feel touch yeah, into it. i feel like I'm, i don't have to like cover all the bases i'm, I'm kind of like a control freak when it, sometimes and i feel like i need to like cover every little base i need to be the drummer and the rhythm and the lead and the singer and and, and everything and so uh, when I have a band, it's nice to like let go and and not just focus on singing and and being the front person and and engaging the audience.
This would be especially as an acoustic guitar player where it's expected that you're going to play the whole, you're going to, you fill the sound that's going to be in the room because they, I'd imagine, especially with a bar or a restaurant, they they want a steady sound to be coming through. Just like yeah. it's, um, it's like, okay, now I'm going to play Super Soft Bell where I'm just going to kind of whisper, sing to myself for the next 45 minutes. And, and then I'm going to go back and I'm going to be jamming into it again. It's like, there's got to be that flow for the audience that you were mentioning before. Yeah. You want things to go up and down. In a smooth fashion. (laughs) In a smooth smooth fashion. Or or a contrasting fashion. Sometimes an abrupt change. Mm -hmm. Like like be really happy and then all of a sudden you're like as sad as you can be. And people are like, well, what the hell? (laughs) You got to mess with people's emotions a little bit and kind of stir things up. I think that that's what uh, an artist needs to do is like stir people's feelings because people go through their days and they're doing the same routine thing over and over again they go to a restaurant and hear live music and that's like routine so i think uh, like seeing a show it it breaks the routine a little bit because Mm -hmm. when you're in a show you're just solely focused on the show you're not like at a restaurant eating and drinking and then hearing some live music but when you're at a show you're focused on the show and i think an artist it's a lot harder to do it in a restaurant because you're competing with like the sports on TV and people's conversations and stuff. But like the job of an artist or an entertainer is to like really break up the monotony and catch, let people uh, catch people off guard a little bit. How much of your repertoire that you play on set are is originals versus covers? About half, Mm -hmm. about half. Um, If it's a three hour set, I usually do like, one-third original mm-hmm. and then two-thirds uh covers what's it like when you break into a bruce springsteen cover or something to the audience is that like an, an upper to get the audience loop back in to be able to go in some of your own stuff yeah yeah well i try to like last night i was in, in on fry island in maine mm-hmm. and uh i was playing a lot of traditional country and uh but i also like talk to the audience and i say like hey you know like I'm not just going to be playing classic country. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to hear something else, uh, let me know. I also love playing Bruce Springsteen. And once they, some people heard that, they're like, yeah. Yes, but so like, Springsteen I, after that, I had a bunch of <laughs> Springsteen requests, which I gladly uh, played. <laughs> and uh, that was fun. And people enjoyed it. And so I, I don't think people minded having going from traditional country like Willie Nelson to Bruce Springsteen. I think everybody was just having a good time. And I like the the free flow of that uh setting yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's gotta be more exciting i mean how much does that change as you travel around Do different areas tend to expect different sorts of uh different songs yes yes um uh it, it does like i said you have to just feel out the room mm-hmm. you know some sometimes people don't want to hear just like traditional country music right. and, and they want to hear like a little bit rock and roll a little <laughs> bit of folk and uh i i think when you're playing like bars and restaurants people generally appreciate variety all right we're gonna go into a quick break you're listening to the new england taken to bkxl i'm gonna I'm, you're not going anywhere i'm not done with you you're listening to the new england taken to bkxl 1450 am 103.9 fm and Be <clears throat> sure to get the podcast version of the show at the new england take.com we'll be right back after this I'll say goodbye to my mama She's waving in the doorway I roll my window down To give her one last smile Then I'll make my way 
this lonesome town I'll pull on the highway and I'm homeward bound It's goodbye to New Jersey Goodbye my family Goodbye to all my friends And everybody in between I'll watch Exit 8 Disappear in my rear view I'm bound for New York City But I'm only passing through I'm going where the factories Turn back into fields And the parking lots Turn back into trees The refineries turn into old brick mills I'm going back to Counting hours, counting miles, I'm measuring my life. I stop inside that diner right off of 84. The waitress knows my name, but our lives will never know. I'm going where the factories turn back into Lots turn back into trees. The refineries turn into old brick mills. I'm going back to Red Oak Hill. As I park my car, there's a girl waiting in the doorway, smiling with her eyes as the stars shine above. I'll make my way to greet her, and she wraps me in her arms. We go inside and talk about the days spent apart where the factories turn back into fields and the parking lots turn back into trees the refineries turn into old brick mills I'm going back
Welcome back to the New England Take, your weekly hangout with experts, policymakers, local business owners, and interesting people in New England. Check out the NewEnglandTake.com to listen to the podcast version of the show. And be sure to follow and share New England Take on Twitter and Facebook. Joined by musician Dean Harlem. Once again, give the quick plug where people can check out your shows and your social media and such. Uh, you can find my tour schedule on my Instagram and Facebook. Um, and you can find my music on Spotify, iTunes, all those places where you could download music for free and I don't get paid. <laughs> <laughs> Joys of being a musician in 2021. That's Dean Harlem, D-E-A-N-H-A-R-L-E-M. Definitely give him a follow. He's fantastic. You'll be hearing a couple of his songs during these segments. So definitely keep an eye out for them. We're also going to be posting a couple of videos of his performances in studio. So be sure to check out New England Take and I'm sure I can bribe him to share it on his social media also uh so i want to we talked about in the last segment you kind of your musical journey and your influences and what you do when you're traveling for the music side but you're a person that's also traveling all over god's green earth to mm-hmm. in your you got this amazing van out there you got mm-hmm. a motorcycle too right i did get another Which, motorcycle another uh, well, what do you another, have, I, no? I sold my motorcycle oh, okay. to pay for the van that i have and then <laughs> when the pandemic happened i'm like I need some instant Something gratification. <laughs> so so I, I got a motorcycle again. The, the yeah. Triumph? It's, funny thing is it's the same exact year, make, and model of my last bike. I'm, I'm a creature of habit. <laughs> I love those Triumphs. Those are gorgeous. If you ever yeah. see a Triumph, it's like an old school 70s looking bike. I mean, what's uh, that like going on those long road trips? Painful. Oh, yeah. I mean, the seats are not much. I, I rode my... So I when I moved to Tennessee, I left my motorcycle here. And in May, uh, I flew up here mm-hmm. and me and my buddy we rode our motorcycles i, I took my triumph he took his Goldwing, mm-hmm. and it was 1200 miles and he was riding his Goldwing with a, a windscreen and oh, he's yeah. like they're listening to the radio you know with a half face like a, ha- a half like not a full face helmet yeah just like hanging out we're going 75 80 miles an hour and i'm there like <laughs> you know like 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 with the wind not having me. a fairing that was a big thing is when i obviously had a rebel for my first bike and then i got i got a, a like a mid-level cruiser sport style bike and it had that fairing it wasn't a full fairing, but my god did that make life so much easier on the highway for three hour road trips oh yeah it makes a big difference yeah <laughs> and, that, and that little uh banana seat almost that those triumphs have. yeah 1200 miles of that it was, uh, it was an endurance test but I made it. <laughs> it, it it's uh, it's an, especially during COVID when you couldn't be performing as much everywhere. That must be a really nice way to kind of get out on the road a bit and uh, see see things in a kind of different way than through the van. Yeah, well, I saw the highway. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all of the U.S. So I saw pavement and trees. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's it like traveling around in, in the van to go location to location? Uh, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. I feel like right now I'm actually using the van for what it's meant yes. to to do. Like, like the reason I got this van is to be on tour and to live my life on the road to have a comfortable vehicle to sleep in mm-hmm. and uh, live in so uh you know if, if you ever listen to like early tristan omen mm-hmm. songs a lot of them were like i'm in my truck i'm sleeping in my car my truck broke down and it's like I'm, and i listened to the songs be- before i had the van and i'm like man i don't want to be that uncomfortable on the road i want to be comfortable on the road mm-hmm. so i uh i um yeah that's why i got the van and how many years back was that that you got the van uh this 
uh, a van I, I bought in 2017. Mm-hmm. And I'm financing it because I it's because you're a musician. It's, it's a big van. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm still paying it off. Uh, my first van was, however, a Ford Econoline mm-hmm. uh, used, and I and uh, that was my first van. And we just um, that, that that's where I learned what uh, I want in a van, what mm-hmm. I don't want, like what I could live without, what I can't live without. That's really important when you're in a really small space. Yeah. Uh, so, so that helped prepare me for the larger van and I'm like, living in a van is cool. I definitely want to keep doing this. I don't want to live in a house or an apartment. I want to live in a van. So that's, that's that's so cool. And it's, uh, kind of plays into the, the lifestyle of the people you're, you, uh, want to, I don't want to say imitate, but you want to, uh, as your mentors musically, what they Mm -hmm. did growing up, traveling, being musicians full time and, uh, seeing the country and performing. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, how is that? How how do you feel being out on the road impacts your musical journey? It, it really uh, inspires me. Mm-hmm. Uh, on this particular trip, I have like I don't really have a lot of time to write and then mm-hmm. yeah, be, you're going be, back be, to back balls to the be, wall here. <laughs> yeah, be creative because uh, on this trip, I'm literally like waking up every day. You know, maybe like exercising a little bit. Um, or, or something then going to play the gig and the, and repeat mm-hmm. um but usually traveling really inspires me like uh, when i when i'm done with this tour and i'm going to ireland I, I i i really look forward to kind of processing everything and writing um so generally i would say travel has a has a big uh is a huge part of my inspiration and creative process is it meeting the people or the journey itself that really is impactful to that the journey i think the spontaneity of it if it like forces you to not think Mm -hmm. it because you don't have time to think because you're like reacting to everything in real time and like everything is new every day and i think that is good for my brain my Mm -hmm. because I, I like I said, I'm a creature of habit and I can settle into a routine and start like doing things over and over again. So being on the road really forces me to get out of my uh, re- repetitive uh, thought process and routines. And um, w- when that happens, my brain starts working differently, I think. And I just uh, I'm more likely to sit down and appreciate the moment, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, what about the logistics of it? I mean, where do you, where where do you put where do you put it? Are you hang, are you do you come up with the the clubs ahead of time saying hey I'm gonna I'm gonna crash here for the night in your parking lot or something like that? Uh, logistics of what touring? Yeah, touring. Yeah. Um, well, I, I park at Walmart or Planet <clears throat> Fitness. I I don't. Yeah, I, I could park anywhere really. Yeah. Uh, so 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 sleeping is is not a. Finding lodging is not a big mm-hmm. deal for me because I, I have the van. It's I, the perfect size for something like that too, for just one guy. To, um, it's, it's not too big. It's not like people going around with the big bus RVs. Yeah, it's not. It's not like a tour bus, right? Where I need to like take for better it. or worse. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I wish I had a tour bus. <laughs> like uh, you know, I saw I saw American Aquarium last month, and they had the, this big tour bus with a huge trailer full of music gear behind them. I'm like, man. That's what I want. I want that. <laughs> but I also really love having the little van and being self-contained and being able to control everything mm-hmm. and not have to like have a driver and a manager and all that stuff. So I appreciate that. But I do want to, you know, expand and move on to the next step. Are you booking shows yourself or are you working with an agency? Uh, totally myself. Wow. To, totally myself. Yeah. Hey, fair. How many shows are you? Have you already played this summer? I mean, that that's that's a lot of work you must have to put in. 
Uh, yeah, I'm playing like every day in July. Yeah. So, so, so uh, like 20, at least 28 days in July, mm-hmm. including the two gigs I played in Tennessee before I left. Yeah, it, 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 doing everything yourself is, uh, it, it's, it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's part of the reason I haven't been able to write much mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about a lot of different things. I'm thinking about booking and promotion and emails and follow-up emails. So definitely my next uh, goal when I get back to Nashville, like one of my next steps is to start looking for people that can help me uh, a little bit with that that stuff so I could focus more on writing. and Yeah, this is so important. I mean, you got to keep up on it because if you don't write on a regular basis to some extent, it it definitely hurts your creative process. It is. It's a muscle and and I haven't been using it as much as I'd like to and I could definitely feel – myself being like uh, a lot more frustrated <laughs> yeah so yeah you know things come and go in seasons you know so you have to just if if you fall off you gotta get back on what's it like going to ireland as a performing uh it, well good it's uh, i went there in 2019 mm-hmm. just uh i didn't have any plans or anywhere to stay uh i didn't know anybody i just mm-hmm. showed up and i was like you know i Ireland is a place I want to visit and I want to like make connections and make friends and mm-hmm. find places to play. So I went there and I met a bunch of people and I played a show and did a bunch of uh, two shows and I played a bunch uh, on the street, did a bunch of busking. Hmm. Uh, so now, uh, and I wanted to book a tour for 2020 in the summer of 2020, but whoops. obviously, <laughs> whoops. So now I'm, you know, I've been itching to get back. So I'm like, I'm going to go in August this year and just do what I can mm-hmm. and uh, reconnect with some of the people I met. And uh, there's actually no live music indoors right now in Ireland. Oh, wow. They're really restricted. I don't even know if I'll be able to play a legitimate show hmm. inside in Ireland. Uh, but there's a lot of busking and uh so i do look forward to doing that is the uh, what's how does it feel entering the musical musical community out there are you interacting with songwriters are you hearing like you need to do certain things when you're coming up to play or they expect certain different uh feels of songs or anything like that i mean what what's the impact you get when you go out there uh i'm just interacting with everything i can interact mm-hmm. with uh what I found in Ireland last the last time I was there is that they really love traditional Irish music. Oh yeah, I thought I would go out there. <laughs> See, I, they figured they'd only want to finally mix it up. No, well, they want the they want the traditional stuff. Well, I th- I kind of thought you know I had this idea in my head that they, in Ireland they really like American music. Yeah. So I thought I'd go out there and I'd hear a bunch of like blues and uh, you know rock and and the pubs and like stuff. like the French with their jazz, for example. It's like, yeah, no, not that way in Ireland. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I was surprised to find that they and and it's really cool that they really appreciate their own uh, traditional music. Uh, so so I, I kind of want to dive into that. I kind of mm-hmm. want to explore traditional Irish music because that has a lot to do with American country music mm. and folk music, and they're so they come from uh, so, similar musicians. Yes, they're they're very deeply intertwined. If you start listening to like uh, folk and and old country music mm-hmm. and the fiddles and the melodies they play you could really pick out the irish parts yeah <clears throat> and the irish influence and the instrumentation you see you hear in bluegrass and stuff like that with the mm-hmm. fiddle and stuff like that really stands out it's very similar with, to that and some similar instruments like <clears throat> like tenor guitar and such and uh, tenor banjo yeah actually actually if you uh listen to uh 
my friends Scott and Betsy of mm-hmm. Green Heron. Oh, yeah. I'm, Love I'm those sure guys. You'll, yeah. you'll have them on the show oh, I gotta eventually. Get them in. Yeah. Uh, if you hear Betsy playing fiddle, like mm-hmm. a, a lot of that has a ton of English and Irish um, uh, folk mm-hmm. uh, background. Yeah, and that definitely helped you coming back to the U.S. saying, hey, I played out there. I picked up all these skills. I'd imagine there'd be a U.S. market for for that sort of music, too. Mm-hmm. It would be a great skill, I'd imagine, for um, d- diverse uh, catalog of songs, even more than you already have. Yeah, I, I like to play a couple Irish songs mm-hmm. when I do my gigs. Uh, over time, I mean, how much has your music changed? Is it – do you still – is it still very much the roots that you started off with as a teenager or have you expanded into different things like the Irish that you're interested mm-hmm. in going into, but are there other influences that have changed your style? Uh, I think it's been ever changing, but over time I become more myself. Mm-hmm. Found, finding a voice. Yes. Yes. I am not the kind of person that, initially out the gate was talented and mm-hmm. and good at what i did i'm the kind of person that just really wanted to do this mm-hmm. and over time just learned and learned and learned and got better and my voice strengthened and uh i became less off key or off pitch <laughs> in my singing and i became a lot less off time and off tempo in my playing and and um i i I wish i could say something more like romantic and like (laughs) poetic about like oh yeah i'm just like a born you know robert johnson just like picked up the guitar and out came the blues the spirit is in me but i it's you know it's not the way it happened Mm -hmm. um so and i think i'm still ever changing but i'm i'm i feel like more now than ever i'm getting more into finding my own voice mm-hmm. and it's been a very long road and um i kind of like that i didn't have a ton of success mm-hmm. from the start and that i i worked for everything and um just kind of pushed on and and just kept showing up and trying uh i think that's very important i mean it helps you develop where you're aware of your skills like people who come across it naturally sometimes have a hard time conveying that i need to work on this because they don't really need to work on it that much and they just get it and the the musicians or any sort of artist that really had to practice but ended up actually having that skill Mm -hmm. really understands what they're trying to do and i think that's important so i I could elaborate on that a a, a little bit um let's just go on to the next question (laughs) yeah (laughs) we have a limited amount amount of time (laughs) it's fantastic having you in studio i really appreciate you uh uh you're playing definitely check out the videos that we we just put we're gonna be putting out alongside this episode at the new england take on facebook and twitter and as well as the new england take.com once again where can people check you out to get your shows and what, what your journey is in the future? Uh, you can find my music on Instagram. I mean, you can find my tour schedule on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, you can find my music on Spotify, YouTube, and all those places, iTunes. 
All right. Definitely follow Dean Harlem. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank this you, has been Dave. a blast. I appreciate, I appreciate it. Thanks for having it. me. <laughs> You're listening to New England Taking WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, and nhtalkradio.com. I'm your host, AJ Kirsip. Tonight.